What's up, Southwest Virginia? Welcome back to Beats, Brews, and Buddies. I'm your host, Travis Schmidt, and this is... Jeremy Price. Today on our beat, or what we talk about, we're going to talk about that school of rock, changing the game on stage, and how music helps with your health with our good buddy, Kenny C. Ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for Kenny C. Yes. Thank you. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome. That was abrupt. I know. It was abrupt clapping. Uh, I'm used to it. (laughs) You and me both. That's right. Jeremy, uh... Why don't you tell our guests what we're drinking today? Well, we're drinking Reed's All Natural Ginger Beer. Craft Ginger Beer. You guys are telling me that the Zero version is uh, tasty. The, the no sugar Dude, is very zero good. Zero sugar extra. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it's tastes it. great. Tastes thank great. You, thank you. Thank Get some you. ginger up in you. Yeah. Oh, we didn't. Well, Delicious. Got, thank you. Clink. 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 Oh, clinkity clink. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Kenny is a lifelong musician, teacher that loves Jesus and wants to share that with the world. You can find him on Facebook at the group, The Rock Radio with Kenny C, and on his podcast, The Rock Radio with Kenny C, on Spotify and Anchor. Jesus is the rock and foundation of his life, and he is ready to share that with you. So again, welcome, Kenny C. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for coming, man. Yeah, absolutely. Kenny, um, the bio says you love Jesus, but I, I want to hear about that. Pre- Pre-Jesus. Pre-Jesus. <laughs> Pre-Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, old, like, like Old Testament? Yeah. Oh. Wait, even before that. Pre-Pre-Jesus. Pre-Pre-Jesus. B-C-E, Ancient Near East, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Oh, that's cool. We're going down. Oh. Okay. We'll have to have a Rabbit whole other yeah, podcast okay. just on that yeah, knowledge. We got to go on his. Oh yeah, yeah. we'll do that. That would be great. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. So, uh, talk to our musical. Uh, talk about your musical history uh, and kind of like your timeline here in Roanoke Valley, if you don't mind. And where have you performed uh, here and outside of Roanoke? I know that's two questions, but yeah. Well, you know, um, I've been a musician about forty years now. I started playing guitar when I was about thirteen. Um, I, I got into playing music. Uh, mainly because I had an older brother that was 17. He died in a car wreck. And when he died, I inherited his music collection. And at the time, my taste in music were not as good as his. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mine had like, you know, the Bee Gees, which I love the Bee Gees, but it was like, you know, all this stuff like Grease soundtrack. And I was, you know, I was a 12-year-old kid. But I got his music, and all of a sudden it was Van Halen and Def Leppard and ACDC. And this is the prime time, man. This is like... Van Halen 1, 2, Women and Children First, Fair Warning. One of the first uh, CDs I put, uh, it might be me. Getting off. It's all right. Let me cut that off. Um, I'm going to cut off my iPhone too, sorry. Hi, Apple Watch. There you go, got it off. <laughs> all right. So, um, yeah, man, I, uh, yeah, so like, you know, one of the first things I ever listened to was uh, threw in Fair Warning and dude, there's Mean Street intro and you're, I mean, I'm like, what is this? And, and it, it just, it struck me and I was like, I don't know what this is. I was like, it's guitar, man. I was like, this is not like anything I've ever heard before. So I was like, okay, let's try into this. So that that kind of thing got me into wanting to play guitar, and I, and then I realized I really really loved playing guitar all through high school and skipped a lot of classes to stay home and play guitar all day. Mm. And man, uh, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know how you, you do that kind of stuff. It's like, oh yeah. But you know what? I had a little band in high school, uh, you know, and and stuff like that. And then uh, I I decided I really wanted to do this. Uh, 
for a living. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Berkeley College of Music. I saw Steve Vai in the Crossroads movie battling Ralph Macchio. And, <laughs> and I was like, who is Sweeps this the dude? Leg. Yeah, dude. You know, like, you know, that time period, it was like Vi was out playing with David Lee Roth. He's on the stuff. And I was like, dude, this is crazy. I, I was like, I want to be able to play stuff like that. So look it up. Oh, Steve Vai went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Okay, that's for me. And, and it's really a jazz school, but... I looked at all the stuff and was like, there's some great players that went there. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can tell a really funny story real quick about when Please I do. when I auditioned. You, you know, you did a tape and did stuff. And I went there, and you still had to go through some things. And I'm sitting in this room, and we're gonna, the guy walks in, and there's two guys next to me. And the guy goes, hey, man, I'm going to play some stuff on this piano. Y'all just transcribe it for me. And I'm looking, I'm like, what? Tran- oh, Okay, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. I'm, the guy next to me is writing it out. Oh, yeah, man, he's dropping C13, sharp 11. He's put writing the notes. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I look at the guy, I'm right, he's doing the same thing. And I was like, I'm over my head. This is not going to work. Yeah. And, I, and uh, I came out. My parents were still there dropping me off. They're leaving me in Boston. And I was like... I'm over at my head. I think I, I think I need to leave. And they went, no, 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 hold on to it. So then I go to a room, and they're looking at my stuff. They're like, yeah, man, um, you know, you, you definitely don't know how to sight read. Nope, I don't really know how to read music at all, man. Play. He said, let's just jam. So there's 12 of the top guitar instructors in the world, professors there, and they let me get my guitar and play, and I'm jamming with these guys, and they're looking back and forth, and we get done. The guy goes, dude, people come here to play like you. And I was like, but I don't know really what I'm doing. He goes, that's why we want you to be here. He says, because you already have, you have it. You have this. We can teach you stuff. We just want to make sure you can do all the written work, the the theory and arranging and learning all that. And that was a big step up in terms of like, wow, I've no, so much. No training, no schooling prior to that? Mm-mm. I actually, uh, I'm not going to call somebody out here, but a local teacher I'd went to to, treat, to teach me um, basically was like, oh, man, he, he had a certain way he would teach and he kind of... Um, He's like, you know, I'll just, he, he literally told me, he says, hey, man, just uh, write a letter to Berkeley about how awesome you are, and I'll sign it. And I did. And so I, I have this great letter <laughs> that talks about my skills. <laughs> so, I want to write a letter. It's a good one, dude. I tell people all the time, I was like, man, I wrote my own letter for it. I was I was pretty impressive. I was like, God, I'd, I'd let this guy into school here. But you know what? It got in there, and, I, and it was one of those things, man. You you learn it. But I had to learn real quick because I got in there and realized I couldn't read, I couldn't read music worth anything so that became going to classes and the teacher saying you're going to totally fail this class and i'll be like gosh dude he says but the way berkeley worked was you would take a class and then you would um you could play you could work on it till you got whatever grade you wanted so he's like just show up show me you're willing to do it totally failed the class reading but I was in a classroom with people that was, it was like Larry Coriel's son, Julian Coriel. And he's in there and he can't read either, man. I'm like, dude, your dad's like one of the top jazz guitar players in the world. He goes, I can't read music. So we just kind of bonded on that. Okay, man, we both can't read music. But but we both, you know, you learned it. And it worked, it worked a big thing on it. So that's cool. Oh, my that's gosh. Great. But, yeah. That's Welcome a great Berkeley. story. Yeah, and that was how my Berkeley thing. So where do you want to go from there? I <laughs> Whatever music. I can just, you know. No, so Ber- Berkeley back home to, to Roanoke? Yeah, Berkeley. Yeah, Berkeley back home. Came to Roanoke. I had a I had a band that I was working on on the summers when I was in called Alchemy, and a couple players. God, I love and we, that name. Yeah, man, we had um, we had a really great thing, great chemistry. Each one of us had went to different schools around here. The drummer uh, Clay Lafon had went to Northside, and Kevin Vonderhoffen on bass went to Glenver, and Trey uh, Bats went to Salem High School. Mm. So we had this big 
following of people at each school. So when we started playing shows, each one of us had these great big thing of friends. So we were having sellout shows at places right off the bat. Kids were lining up, and it was really great, man. It was a it was a really um, it was a great time. And then we kind of as we got going, we started writing more original music, put out a CD. Um, did some things like that, so it was it was a great it was a great time period. That's about the time I met Jeremy. A little, I think you got a few years of that, and then you met me. Yeah, hey, uh, I think so. I think so. There's a couple. I still have the Alchemy CD, and I still listen to it. Hey man, absolutely. When I've got some frog. Up. I've got some frog candy. Oh no no no! <laughs> I've got the hats. Oh, I I got the hats. Yeah. My my daughter and I were listening to the hats the other day, and I was like, "This is Uncle it's, Jeremy." Yeah, it's some good stuff, man. That was awesome, man. I love frog candy, man. Yeah. I think about it, it's like I we we'll probably at some point talk about our uh, our mutual friend TJ man. That was yeah, so yeah. we we have a we have a great love. It kind of kept us all bonded for many years. And I'm going to tell a story on TJ you've probably never heard. Uh oh, I can't wait. When TJ's mom Twyla brought him to me, I didn't know them. I was teaching. I was probably 23. TJ was probably um, 13. Mm-hmm. And his mom goes, he thinks he can play really well, and he doesn't think he needs lessons. So that's what he brought him to me, and he's talking, and we're playing, and he's like, you know, digging it. Oh yeah, cool, man. He's like, so uh, TJ's like, how how many how long do you think it'll take me to play like you, man? Like what five five months, six months? <laughs> and I'm looking at this kid. I went, come on, man, are you serious? <laughs> he was dead serious. <laughs> oh yeah, five six months, I can do what you're doing with it. But we had but we bonded, and, I, and we became. Uh, he was like one of my favorite students, and I, I actually with alchemy, I even took him out. He roadied. He learned to do the stuff. We got uh, him on stage. He did a lot of cool things as a 15-year-old. And his parents trusted me to take him out. And we took him. I mean, we played huge frat parties at you know, colleges and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you guys want to give the audience uh, some context to who TJ is? Uh, well, I just dropped that Root Lock video that just explained some of it. He's just a kid I, I met in the high. I was a senior, and he was a freshman, and I met him. And he had this look that we had similar looks and similar vibes. And. He was being wild. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who's this wild freshman? First thought he needs to learn who's wild up in here. <laughs> it's me. But it's not really the case. But um, we were just silly and became friends in an instant. And I ended up driving him home um, day after day. And his, his mom, Twyla, would buy me a sub sandwich. Sometimes I would have to drive him to lessons. And I got to meet Kenny from Alchemy because Alchemy was a happening band at the time. I would yeah, say, we had, we was, had that, big thing. was that the same era that Bananas was playing? Yeah. Because you guys were running, among others, there's also, um, oh, what's the name of that band? Um, I'm thinking the Thrillbillies, but that's not who I was thinking about. Anyway, there it was just a different era, and bands were killing it around here. Go by Awful Authors and see all kinds of people in there. Yeah, there you guys a, were killing it? Yeah, there was a time period in the early 90s where you could see live music seven days a week in Roanoke. Seven days. Seven days a week. Oh, my gosh. On a Tuesday night. You go out. I saw bands. Can you tell me through. about that? Because yeah. I don't know about that. Well, that time period was. Probably because I was seven yeah, <laughs> in the early right. 90s. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, there used to be a, a place called Johnny's Tavern here in Roanoke, and it played a lot of groups of the 70s and 80s. Uh, and it, a guy took it over and called it Scooches. And it was just a time period. He, it was about 92. Mm-hmm. And I think 92 to, 90, to 95 was magic, man. That place was. Crazy busy. Where was it, it located? It's uh, where it's the Bank of America now. It's right there, right there at Crossroads Mall on the corner. It of was Williamson. It was Bank oh, wow. of America, and now it's uh, uh, hometown, uh, hometown Bank. Bank. Probably. Yeah, okay, that's where it was. Yeah. yeah, 
Williamson so. and Hershberger near there? Uh, no, it's like, um, what's that Firestone place? There's a Firestone tire there. and Yeah, that's a, that Hershberger. Yeah. Right there, Hershberger, almost yep. right there. Yeah. But yeah, that's where it was on there. It's been demolished and taken over. That's crazy. But yeah, you could see like bands all every day of the week, man. Yeah. I saw the, do you remember the movie Rockstar with uh, Mark Wahlberg? Yeah. And oh, that, yeah. Yeah. It was based on a guy named um, Ripper Owens. Tim Ripper Owens, who actually sang in a Judas Priest cover band and then got picked up by Judas Priest and went on and became their singer after um, my brain ain't working today. Who was the guy singing for Judas Priest? He always you are that. asking oh, the wrong um, guy um, here. Uh, Rob Halford. Thank you, Rob Halford. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that was a big story. But here, what's crazy is as on a Tuesday night, I watched this guy's band come and do a Judas Priest tribute before he this happened. So I'm watching this band, and they were they had their original band play before they played, and they did all these songs, and then they came out and did the priest thing. This dude was killing it, man. He was, I was like, oh my gosh. Mm. And then, literally, like a year or two later, he's singing for Judas Priest, and I'm like, I saw that dude on a Tuesday night, Roanoke, Virginia, yes. with about ten people, <laughs> and that's that's it, scooches. <laughs> yeah. But they had it, man. They had music every every night of the week, man. It was spectacular. That was about a three or four year run there that. It was just great. It was hectic. Are there any places that are still current here today that... that no, man. Back, no. I'll tell you what. Back in that day, there was... Um, I mean, you, you, you had some downtown stuff. A lot of coming, of course, I was around when... we, we The Iroquois was still here when Iroquois Club. Mike Havens talks a lot about the Iroquois. Dude, I mean, it was the Iroquois place. was... I mean, that's a world-famous club. It yeah. really was, man. Yeah. It was amazing. I saw everybody you could think of there, man. I mean, it was the same thing, too, man. It, and... During that time period, there was a lot of 80s bands that were kind of fading out because the 90s was taking over in grunge and stuff. Yeah. I saw a quiet riot there with like 10 people on a whatever. <laughs> and it was the original singer. It wasn't the original guitar player, but it was Rudy Sarzo and the drummer, who Frankie Benali, that just passed yeah, away a couple yeah, years yeah. ago. But, dude, that was cool. And you know what was cool was? They played that show for us like we, it was a packed stadium. We were singing. Just we were in it. it. They did it. And when we, hang, when, when we were done, it was like we got a six-pack of beer, and we all sat there and drank and talked. I mean, like, man. dude, that was one of the best experiences of my life, man. It was just like, they were very cool. So, yeah, the Iroquois was a happening club. All kinds of people came through. Rage Against the Machine Gosh, came through dude. at one point. I hear. I hear. There's people are so, like, oh, bro, I saw Rage there before they were huge. I'm like, what? Dude, what? I remember Iroquois. when 311 played in Radford upstairs at this one thing. And, dude, they, their first album just came out. And it, it was a magic show, dude. It was one really? of those Yeah, I got a picture of me with my hair down to my waist. And I'm here with these all these these guys with their hair cut off. And it was like the times were changing. I'm still in yeah, the 80s. It, yeah. These guys are doing this hip-hop, rap, <laughs> reggae, but which I love because it kind of it led me into my next band from Alchemy, which was 790 Robot Head. Mm. And that was kind of a kind of in that rage kind of stuff. It's really, really interesting because I, I really went from that – Let's do a lot of solos to let's be more cohesive you know. as yeah. A group it was guy. like you know, rap thing was kind of going on, rap rock. We mm -hmm. just did more harmonies and stuff like that. But that was a fun time. Listening too, to man. that Hats album, I was like, "There's a lot of Dude. 311 influence mm -hmm. here." Oh, there a was a lot. It was a, th a theme. That was a, yeah. yeah. Who, who wasn't influenced by them? You know, it's now you talk to kids I'm teaching, they have no idea who 311 is. Yeah, right? yeah. Because it's not in the it's not really in that realm. But the people who are 311 fans are 311 fans for yeah. life, man. So. Yeah, I mean, we basically Seven Nine Robot Head from one one period there was a, was basically a three eleven cover band tribute. We played mm. places and played so much of their stuff, them and Rage and all that. It just that's cool. It was it was fun, man. I loved it. So what about after that? So we're getting closer to uh, to my time. Yeah, <laughs> and then <clears throat> and Travis was born. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. You know, um, 
some I, I, I had other things happen. I ended up I moved to Myrtle Beach uh, cuz cuz there was a whole lot of stuff going on down there and I tried to do alchemy there and it didn't really happen. The band split. I ended up getting other members. Got to play a lot of the big places, the the, the Hard Rock Cafe and and which got me I ended up working there some stuff, but I ended up coming back here and I want to say it was around 90 uh, 97 98 that time period. And um that's when I started Seven Eye Robot Head. I kind of was like, and and honestly, Jeremy was actually going to be the drummer for the one of the original things I put together. I basically took Frog Candy, was like, rip, yeah, and brought them over, and yeah. we jammed, and we were trying. It was this pe- period of trying to figure out stuff and who was going to be with this, and yeah, Jeremy was great, man. We had this, you know, I really liked all. It was him and Oberg and. Who else was uh, that? Jason Kraft for a little while. Oh, yeah. Jason. Gosh, dude. Oh, I haven't heard of him forever. <laughs> yeah. Jason Kraft. And TJ. TJ for a minute. TJ for a minute, yeah. man. Yeah. That was a tough period, man. A lot, um, of, a lot of ins and outs with that band. I love when it got started, though. I love oh, going no, to hear you guys was, play. Yeah. It was fun. And it, it took off. And there was a lot of people that came in and out. And it finally gelled. And, and it was always some overturn of different people. But I basically was, you know, writing most of the material and and I co kind of rap and sing and did stuff like that, play guitar and all that. So, but um, great, it was a great time period. That that band got me um, on. I, I licensed music to MTV and whatever else was out at the time. VH1 and M2 and uh, Sci-Fi Channel USA. I had songs that were on all these you know sports things. You know, it was just it was cool. I found out that time period you could license music and not be a signed artist if you sounded close to something that they wanted mm-hmm. and they didn't want to pay the money for the one. So they go, Hey man, can you make a sound that sounds like this? Psh, yep. Give me two seconds. We'll yeah. record it. We would do that. And, and that would get us on some of the X game stuff. And it got us on a TV show. You know, it's kind of crazy. I, the seven ninety robot head name came from, uh, Lex. from a movie called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, I saw it on a, t- on a movie in the middle of the night, like, Skinamax or something, you know, it was like three o'clock in the morning after a show in Myrtle Beach, and I was like, and it was this robot head, and it was like, I'm a robot head, seven ninety. I went, that's my next band name. That's it. I wrote it down. I was like, that's it. And I was yeah. like, I didn't because people always thought it was like seven hundred and ninety robot heads. No, <laughs> it was it was seven ninety robot head. And it was very really, specific it, number of right. robot heads. I actually had somebody send me a um a uh, a Kindle book the other day. It's like four. Un- unauthorized Lex, and it was the sting with the whole thing, and they actually dropped my name in it, and the episode that we had a song in, it was really? like, oh yeah, yeah, because they picked us up. I got a what know, song it, was that? It was a song called um, Huffy Rider. Huffy Rider, right? It was, it was, and it was just a small snippet of it. But the people that I actually got, um, you know, they got contacted me and were like, I was like, I'm getting a cease and desist because there was other bands that were getting it for you know naming their name after something. Like, you can't call your name Batman. You can't be, you know, I wish, I wish. Batmans, <laughs> Van Bats, you, you know, I'm just saying you can, but they're going to come after you and do that stuff. But they contacted me. We're like, we love it. We're, you're an American band. And they were from Germany and Canada, this whole production. Mm-hmm. So the show kind of went into, uh, they were like, we love it. We love the name. And so the guy that did the voices, put it all together and was like, Hey man, let's put you on the show. So they put us on there. We're on the end of season two, 2.20 into the universe. 
There's a DJ in space. There's these robot arms flying in to destroy the world. And there's our <laughs> song. And you and you get to hear me say "loco mofo." <laughs> it's funny, man. It is. It's I've seen, and I've actually seen. I've, I'm on some trivia tracks on some of the DVDs where it mix. It has our name. Who I love that you it? didn't put any of that in your bio, dude. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, there, there's no way this man can. First off, one of our own critiques of, of the podcast is like a little less bio. I don't care who you are, what you've done. We need to trim all fat on the bio just because there's other stuff to to get done and so i asked him when i got here uh, i was like hey um what up how long is his bio that's what i said because i don't even to me when he said that i was like i'm just gonna send this we'll talk yeah yeah i don't think there's too much i can't you can't go through everything he says to me three sentences and he reads it and i'm like that's a that's a damn good call (laughs) because i know how much Stuff you have behind yeah, you. I, for that stuff yeah, there, man. I was I was around for a mm-hmm. lot of that. Mm-hmm. I was in and out, but definitely remember you being excited. And at my age, I was just looking up to this dude I was playing with from time to time, and I learned a lot from. Him and I'm like, dude, we got stuff. He got stuff on sci-fi. Like I didn't really know what it meant, but I knew yeah. it was cooler than not having anything going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, that was and cool. Stuff. I was there for all that. So anyway, seeing your bio, I'm like, and this this I'm, is I, I'm over here going, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, three sentence bio. This my, is my, my first butt. time meeting. The cat, it is, yes, which is true. really cool yeah. for me. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm loving it because it just, again, is just an example of why we're doing this podcast oh. and like such talent in this in this really cool yeah. valley. Oh man, so. oh man, I heard some. Sorry to do this oh, on ahead. your podcast, Kenny. I heard some stories yesterday from a guy that we're going to get on here. Some crazy stories. A little probably generation prior to you. Mm. Anyway, just a little teaser. You're not going to say who it is. Nope. Oh. Nope, I'm not going to do it. Moving okay. on. Well, I want to make sure we get, like, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't. That's okay. Yeah, I get it. You don't have to Don't have to tell okay. me. But the stories are abundant. There is. Let's go. There's a ton of them. So, you know, we, as you can tell, you don't have to interview Kenny. He's going to tell us what's up. So I love it. Get through these questions. I, I love yeah. it. <laughs> I'll just talk, man. That's it. So, so Kenny, t- so my first time seeing you was with a group called Uptown. Yeah. Uh, so, and I, I got to tell this. So, I... I Mike Havens took me to Billy's Barn, and yep. that was our little home base. <laughs> yeah. uh, Billy's Barn, you guys were playing, and um, he was like, you need to check this group out because they're very similar to us. Um, and th- and he was very right. Uh, a lot of pop, a lot of high energy. Uh, I think you guys had been around before us. Uptown? Close to it, yeah. We might have started at the same time. Really? What, uh, the, what year did y'all start? Oh boy, um, two thousand. I want to say two thousand and eleven or yeah. twelve. We didn't. Uptown didn't even start till twenty fourteen. Okay. Yeah, because I was still in Burning Bridges at that time. Well, for a long time, we we were not a full band until I would say twenty twenty fifteen. Oh yeah. At twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. Yeah, because we did uh, our Pink Floyd show in twenty sixteen. Oh and then yes, we really. Right. 2019 was our big year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2019 was our big yeah. year. I've got a lot of I got old stories with Jason Holt too. Oh, uh, what a good dude! Dude, what I love that dude. guy, man. I love that guy. Um, we guy. actually interviewed his cousin, um, Brian. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you ago. stories about Brian. Uh, yeah, well, everybody's got a story about yeah. Brian. You know, uh, Brian was my first student when I came out of Berkeley. Brian who? Brian Holt. Brian Holt. Oh, okay. I didn't yeah, know I was teaching at Kelly's Music. Brian Holt came in. We did some stuff, and yeah. we he was the same like DJ stuff. He was that you know. Ten years younger than me. How long did you teach at Kelly's? Not very long. Okay, I, I I taught there for a little while just when I got back, and then it just kind of, then I just went on my own. He he taught there. Though, he did when he got. Back. He actually went to Berkeley also. Yeah, man. that's right. He went because of, dude, it's funny because I um 
I always love the fact that when I went to Brian's house, because at one point me and Brian played together in Burning Bridges. So he was my student. And then years later, we're playing together in this band. It was really cool. And I went to his house and he had this wall of Kenny. <laughs> and dude, I'm telling you, man, one of those things, when you know what you're, and he was like legit, he had stuff. He's like, my mom got me this autograph of your, you and your band when I was 13. He said, got it on the wall. And I was like, dude, I remember that, man. It was so cool because it's one of those things of like, it comes full circle. Yeah. They're like, I, I, I influence this guy. He goes to Berkeley, comes back. He's an amazing musician. Now we're playing together. Yeah. And I was like, you, I, I don't know. For me, that was a, a mm-hmm. great moment, man, because it's it's just full circle. I, yeah, those moments, I think. Yeah, I love Brian, I think man. you end up living for those yeah, moments. you do, man. You don't start having them until your 30s or 40s, yeah. usually, because yeah. the, the kid, the student needs time to go do his thing. But it feels really, really good. Oh, I overlooked it. Not the value of it in totality, mm-hmm. but never saw it coming back around and it's kids that are playing. And like, we have people reaching out old students of mine, like, Hey, I want to be on that podcast. And I'm like, cool. Let's yeah. That's we, awesome. We're really just pushing everything into the future, especially as you get older. Right. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I used to not embrace it. I love it now. So yeah. you teach a lot of kids. I do. We'll get there. Yeah, but I'll, we'll get there. So I, yeah. I went to Billy's barn. Yeah. saw you and this guy, <laughs> this guy, pulls out a rubber chicken and I'm looking right at the I'm looking at the camera now like he pulls out a rubber chicken and starts playing the guitar so my question is talk about your crazy guitar gimmicks oh. and what inspired you to do the fun and crazy things that you've done on stage so and you can go ahead and sure, sure. describe some of the more crazy things if it's uh well I can tell you that the rubber chicken started in burning bridges and it wasn't like I was like hey man I'm gonna uh I'm going to play with a rubber chicken one day because there's nothing like spending uh, $40,000 to go to music school and people know you for playing a rubber chicken. That's good <laughs> stuff right there, man. <laughs> hey, I can do sweep arpeggios. Bok, <laughs> bok. <laughs> they don't care. But you know what it came from? I was, we had a guy who was roadieing with us, and we were at playing a place in Charlottesville, and it was just a lame night. Nothing was really going on. And he started finding things on the, on the the behind the stage, and he was just bringing it up. Hey, man, play with this. Hey, man, play with this. That's literally how it started. Do a chicken. Somebody saw it. Somebody taped it. And then I could never not do it again. Yeah. And that became a thing. And it also became a thing where I did stuff with playing with a shoe. And that became a big thing, too. Played, you played with a spoon that night, too, I think. Probably. Yeah. Gosh, who knows, man. And well, I, I mean, it like, makes you memorable. Guns. No, it, no. It made dude. you memorable. Because, I, I, again, I didn't, I've never met people, you before. Yeah. And so here's the thing. Musicians see things differently. But people that are watching... They remember. It's, it is a visual thing, man. When I did 790 Robot Head, you know, we, we did spacesuits, man. Mm-hmm. We went through a whole period yeah. where we were like, we had like, uh, you know, we'd come in chained. I, to me, me, people remember those things, yeah. man. That's a that's a big part of that. So, mm-hmm. you know, even when we were doing Uptown, I, we moved up into, we tried to dress kind of like, you, know, you, go, you go play with the Commodores, man. You want to have some, you know, I got sequins, you know, jacket and glowy shoes and all that. J- Jason a, Holt was really tried hard to get the house Schmidt to be that group. He would have had us all flying and, you know, parachuting from. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things, man, you do jetpacks and, and so, and and I will say this, a lot of stuff came from just seeing other people, you know, cause I, I wasn't the only person that did the the shoe thing. I, I, um, I've seen some other guys do it, but one of my favorite stories was I went from, um, burning bridges to, uh, the biggest band ever played in was called frontiers. And it was a, it was a journey tribute band from Roanoke that had been around for a little while. Uh, the lead singer ended up in uh, getting picked up by Journey, went to L.A., wrote songs with him, was going to be the next singer, didn't work out, had two songs on her album. He comes out of it, it's like, I'm going to take this thing national. And he's like, he couldn't, the guys that were working couldn't go. And it was just like, they had real jobs. Mm-hmm. I, being a 
teacher did not have a real job, <laughs> as people say. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just a teacher. That's not a real job. But you know what? I got to go, and I'm, oh, it was awesome. Starting but, fires hey, in here. Start some a, fires. Sorry. I need to mix something yeah. harder. You don't with have this. to get yeah. me started. I'll hey, start man. a fire. In you know a how you, you know you've been talked like that before. You've had that happen. Yeah. People say that stuff oh yeah, right to your face. Your job. Okay, so, yeah, so I, I thought I'd gotten away from the shoe chicken thing because I'm playing in a vest and I'm playing big venues, Cleveland House of Blues, Chicago. We're touring the country. I'm on stage in Cleveland, and I kid you not, I'm, I'm playing, and I'm getting ready to do the solo, and 300 feet back, man, I see this dude sling this size 12 Converse coming through the air, and I went, oh, my gosh. Pop! I catch it. I started doing the solo. Uh, and he said, I saw a video of you, and I knew you did the show, the shoe solo, so I had to do it. And then after that, guess what? Every show had to have the shoe solo. Amen. And then ladies started putting their shoes up on stage. They literally would line them up, and I'd just go through and play it. And throw it back. But line that's what they wanted. Shoes line your shoes up. Line your shoes up. Dude, these, I'm telling you, it's Six-inch stiletto yeah. red. <laughs> Yeah, pleather heel. Yeah. Get it's these it's funny. It's funny, man. People, that's loving to it. So. Isn't isn't it crazy how you can put all the? I mean, you put so much work into your craft. Not just the playing, mm. like the production side of it. That's one thing that we've always communicated. You know, intermittently about random projects and oh, not yeah. so much about music per se, but yeah. like you know the whole the whole package. The whole yeah. before branding was cool, sure. but it was branding. Yeah. yeah. Um. To to know all that. And have some some of your biggest moments come from playing chicken. Yeah, I mean, dude, I, I tell people all the time, man. And the other one was playing with a with a with a ray gun, and a lot of that came from I saw Steve Stevens from um, Billy Idol. He did a solo, Rebel Yell. <laughs> he played it. I was like, I had this toy when I was a kid. And I was like, I'm gonna start using that. So I put it in songs and alchemy. Uh, we had a song called Enterprise about Star Trek. I'm a nerd. I mean, too. Me too, buddy. I think we're going to bond today, man. I, I, I come in this house and I was like, oh my gosh, man. I'm like, you Batman. might, you're going to have time getting me out of here, Travis. This is, this is, I'm coming back. Oh, Please you're not, do. Hey, your podcast is over, dude. Your time's done. No, no, I'm back. Yes. This week. Part two. I could see that being our highlight and the clip we share. Yeah. I'm a nerd. I'll do. I'm, I'm a nerd. nerd. I'm a nerd. That's it, man. Me it's too. Good. It's okay. It's all good, man. I, I love it. <laughs> Um, I don't know where we were going with that now, but well, yeah, just play the stuff. Yeah, it's just the trick stuff. It is. It's one of those things. But I tell people that I don't mind that because people do remember, mm-hmm. and musicians know that I can play. But there's people there that they go, that dude played with a chicken. Wait for it, and they, they that's it. <laughs> yeah, chicken, yeah. chicken. And, and yeah, and if they're having a good time, yeah, that's what that's you're it. there to that's, do. That's it, man. And there's you know there's a lot of musicians that really just you know they stay on that musical side. Well, there there is. A sh- you need to draw a big Happy slash. Media. There's a musician, mm-hmm. and there's an there's entertainer. an entertainer. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's big. I I was gonna pay you, a compliment. They're, they're both okay. Like yeah. you, can, yeah. you can jump on one side. You can play th- that that field, mm-hmm. but just don't hate on the others. Mm-hmm. There's why would you do that? <laughs> well, oh, yeah. it's a waste of energy. You did the 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 chicken thing uh, uh, at the end or close to the end of one of of a set. Oh, yeah. And I always thought that was I thought that was really smart and genius especially if you waited till later in the evening when people had been drinking and Oh they, yeah. It no, made no, it more yeah. fun for them. Yeah, and you're not going to you don't come out at the first song yeah. and go, "Look, it's a chicken." <laughs> well, I, I <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, you aren't there's ebb and flow, man. I've been doing this a long time. I but, tell people all the time, there's things you know what works. So I bring that up mm-hmm. purposely so we can segue and talk about your your teaching habits and styles yep. that with your with your younger younger groups uh, with your kids right sure. so 
I would personally call you uh, Roanoke's School of Rock, Jack Black. Uh, and I, I want you to tell our listeners about, I about uh, your journey with teaching rock bands and, yeah. and how many students you have and um, how many yeah, students man, do you I've have. Been, I, you know what? It's really funny. I, I've been teaching about 38 years, which I started when I was two. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. I, it, <laughs> but you know what's funny is? I actually started teaching by accident because I went to a guy. There was actually a music store in Buckhannon, Virginia, of all places, for about a year or two when I was 15, and uh, it was great. But I went to this guy there, and I showed up, had my guitar, and I was like, Dad, I want to play this loudness song. And he, I played it for him, and he listened to it. He's like, oh, cool. And he goes, I don't know if I can play it. So I start playing for him, and he goes, whoa, dude, hold up, hold up, hold up. He's playing in bands around the area, and he literally looks at me and goes, I can't take your money, man. I, I, you're you're out playing me, and you're 15. I'm like, no, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. And he was like, oh, well, he goes, tell you what, man, just come here, and we'll just jam. So he kind of let me do that, and then I just got hung out there all the time and played and did stuff, and then the store went out of business because it was in Buckhannon, Virginia. It wasn't going to last a long time. And then uh, literally he went, on, he went on to play another band or something, and all the, the the students that were there, the parents were like, "We don't have a music teacher." And they were like, "Well, Kenny, you're the music teacher now. You're our you're the music teacher." And that's how it started by proxy. By proxy, I'm like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but they were like, "You know more than our kids do." So, bam, and then you kind of then that starts that whole thing of becoming, you know, yeah. it's, it's a you learn how to teach. That was one of the things I went to Berkeley and t- did things, but it was really funny. I um. I can tell a story about a professor that told me that I wasn't going to make it. I actually thought about going into teaching public school, but he literally told me after one point, he was like, dude, you, you're not, you don't do it. You're going to hate it. Mm. You're going to hate it. They're going to make you stay with things, and you're, the way you're teaching does not, it ain't going to fit. They're not mm-hmm. going to want it. And I, I took his advice, and he wrote a book years later, because I, I was really upset when it happened. I was like, dude, why are you telling me not to do this? And then later on, I kind of figured it out. I was like, dude, he, was, he really saved me from going, because he was like, you'll be miserable. You'll mm. be miserable doing that. That's not your thing. And he said, because you're very, you work with people and you know how to teach them on their level. You, you, you meet, dissect what meet there them is. there. Yeah, you meet them there. And that's the same way I'm with kids now. It doesn't matter. I, I, the youngest kids I've ever taught has been about three. I've had kids that I've taught piano, drums. Drums great for little kids, man. That's just, yeah. Jeremy knows I, what I'm talking about. That's just a great thing to work with because kids can pick up on it quick. And, and they're fast. But And you learn the things that goes on with that. But, yeah, I, I've learned that kids... Um, you know, the big thing for me is half of lessons are teaching them stuff they need to know, scales, chords, reading, all those things. And then the other part is I make them tell me what they love, and I make them go home and write out a 10-list you know, ten list of groups, anything. And now that's changed over the years because back in the day it was like kids listen to actual music. Now, now that doesn't work. Yeah. There's kids that will sit there and look at you and go like, I don't know. What, what what do you mean, music? And they're there with a piano or a, or a guitar or something, and they're there mostly. Sometimes it's because their parents want them to do it. And then I have to go, well, how do you meet them on the thing? Now, instead of songs from back then, I'll go, I have to go go play Roblox or Minecraft or whatever the big game is and find the songs that are in it because guess what? There's some amazing compositions. Yeah, yeah, yeah Amazing yeah. composers, Koji Kondo, all these guys. Koji Kondo's like, been around forever. I've gotten books on that stuff. I went and would find these kids that had done arrangements for guitar for Zelda and Mario. But now it's moved past that. Now you're getting to where kids come in and I'll start playing Wet Hands from Minecraft. Mm. And you can see the look on their face. <gasps> what? And they, they could see it. And they're young kids. And now you don't, boop, you got them. 
Wow. They're in. They're in. They're like, that's it. It's music. Music mm-hmm. is music, man. You can, I can do it with anything. Uh, and even, you know, even hardcore rap, kids will bring in something. I'll listen to it and go, okay, there's a bass line here. We can work this, mm-hmm. get through this stuff. But what's really funny is, is the kids come in and do that who learn and maybe started out one way, their taste starts to change once they play. Once they start learning. Yeah. Once they learn, start then learning. all of a sudden they're like, because I had this kid come in, and I'll, he's he's really a great bass player, for, and he's very into it right now. But when he first came, uh, he, he, he loved a lot of like newer rap stuff, Kodak Black, a lot of stuff. And a lot of this stuff I didn't know as well, so I'm listening to it. I'm going, ooh, how do I pull something from this? But I would find chord progressions and Mac Miller and all these ones, and I'd pull stuff from it. And I started teaching him. And then he, he did guitar for about a month. And I was like, he, I told him, I said, dude, this, I don't think it's your thing. I said, let's try bass. I put a bass on him and clicked. Mm-hmm. The kid was like, oh, oh. So within like literally three months, he's playing rap songs. Now he's in one of my band, another one of my band, kid bands I'm working on. He's like 12 years old. And he's play, he comes in every week, and he's got like eight songs. Hey, man, you ever heard this Tool song? And I'm like, dude, get out of here. He's like, and he, it is. It's exciting because I listen to go. And I even tell him all the time, I'm like, man, honestly, I didn't think you were going to make this. You yeah. were going to make it. And now he's really in it, and he practices. His parents basically have to tell him, you got to stop playing today, man. It's too much. But that's, I think that's a that's a great thing. That's man. the I mean, that's the great thing yeah. about being a music teacher. Yeah, sometimes you just you just like unwrap the present, and they look in and they're like, "What?" Absolutely, yeah, I agree, man. Mm-hmm. It's 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 fantastic. That's why I love it. That's why one of these things that for me, um, you know, my whole life has always been, I was a musician and I played live. That's what I've done. I've always had that, and teaching was the other aspect of it. Mm-hmm. It was a 50 Yeah. The pandemic comes all of a sudden. It's like wow, up. Yeah. There goes every gig, all these contracts for a year, weddings, corporate parties, all this stuff. I mean, I know that when April hit, right after a couple weeks in this, I was like, this is going to change worldwide. It's going to change my entire life. I started getting panicky. I was like, oh, my gosh, man, what am I going to do? You know, because I'm like, this is what I've done my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I'd already been doing some online teaching and had a little bit of thing with that and with just iPad and different stuff like that. And um, by the end of – by the beginning of May – uh, about you know six eight weeks into this, um, I was already at seventy students, mm. virtually. Virtually, because every kid at that point was stuck at home and wasn't going to school, and their parents were like we got to have something for them yeah. to do. So I just and I was like you know what let's make this work. Had a lot of people around here who taught were calling me going dude how do you do how are you doing this? I said don't don't make it hard stuff like that. Some some instruments are easier to teach than others yeah. online. Drums are tough. Because if you do drums, you got to have a whole setup on it, and it's it's you know you got to have all kinds of stuff. But guitars and pian- you know piano and keyboards, you could set an iPad looking down at your thing. I do variations. I'd have my iPad, then I have my my iPhone, and I would flip it back and forth to whatever we were doing, so they could see what I was playing, and then back to them. Mm-hmm. It's doable, and it and it really did. And my I got to about seventy students a week at that point, and it's never stopped. And it's been it's been like that. I've been wow. really blessed, and, I had- I, and a lot of that to me, man, is. I had four or five during COVID and I'm, I'm a Roanoke city public school teacher. So it was easy for me to just have, have extra time Mm because we would teach virtually our kids. Yep. And then I had time in the afternoons. Um, and you're right about drums. It was much harder to do it virtually. I found that the, it was easier if the kids had an electric drum set so I can at least watch their, their Mm -hmm. hands on a, on a pad. 
um, if it was a live drum set or acoustic drum set, I we it was more rote teaching. Yeah. Like yeah. I play, you play. Yeah, I play, you play, and it was it just or or it was like I would use like some classic books that had stuff basic beats. They would be reading, and I could hear it. I could step out. Yeah. You know, that would and that yeah. worked too. So yeah. you know that's I was cool. Really, yeah, it worked really well. I was good for you for adapting. Hey man, honestly, at that time period, it was do or die. It was like, hey man, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm like, a lot of people ended fit. up yeah. on the ladder. <laughs> they did. It was like, oh, because I mean, look, and I tell kids all the time at this age, my, you know, I'm 53, but they'll say, man, you have the greatest job in the world. I'm like, I do. I love it. I love teaching. I, I, it's, it's fantastic. But I'll say, there's times when there was no gigs, there was no, no students, and I said, guess what? I did all kinds of things that time. Waited tables, did carpet work. Did, you know, construction. Page but guess views. what? To me, it was always one of these things. I knew I wasn't going to do that forever. Mm-hmm. And you have, and I tell kids, look, sometimes you're going to do jobs you don't like. Yeah. But sometimes you have to do it. I had, I had just had a new, a uh, new baby. It was 2000 and dude, nine 11 hit. And it was also that time period. Everything was like, oh, what's going to happen now, man. Yeah. It was crazy. I actually was trying to get out of the music in- uh, industry completely at that time. My kids were little and I was like, I'm just going to teach. This stuff and it didn't turn out like that. Everything. And next thing that was like, hey man, you want to come play with this band? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you want to come play this? Sure. Yeah. You know. I'll do it. Yeah. Never, man. It's good stuff. So talk talk to us a little bit more about um the the groups of mm. younger ones that you you're uh, assisting with. Sure, sure. Um, probably I think my entire life I tried to put students together. Um, I had some kid or, kid bands. 20 years ago, yeah. but never made it to that next level of they would, we would get together and play, but it never made that. We're going to go out and play. It was always really close. It just, it just never really happened. I love so, that school of rock. And if you haven't seen that movie, you, that's what we're referencing here. Yeah. Jack Black. Jack Black. If, if you go on my Facebook, it's actually my face Your on face, Jack yeah. Black's body. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's oh, a cool. It and it really looks, <laughs> the, it fits. Yeah. Me and Jack Black it's are kind of like, physical specimens of the same us and kevin smith until he had his heart attack now he's skinnier i don't like that uh, yeah he, he looks good he looks, he looks good, good. He looks good. Hat. yeah he looks good man. I, like, good I like kevin smith but uh yeah that's um the kids stuff like right now uh probably uh, the last year i uh, have a kid band called blueprint and we put them all together They're all students of mine brought them into different levels and it was kind of funny because i had different kids playing uh, I really this one kid I have Aaron he's he's 14 now, Kaden he's 12, and he has he has autism, and when his parents brought him to me he um he didn't really speak a lot and he didn't have a lot of emotion and they weren't sure how he was going to do it they just knew he had shown an interest, so this kid I get him talking and he and he loved ACDC so we just went full fledged oh, ACDC ACDC and he could do it and then he could. He was picking up so fast because he was so focused on learning to play these songs that he was practicing six to eight hours a day. Yeah. So people would come to me and go, how long has he been playing? I'm like, months. And they're like, how do you get that? Because he practices seven, eight hours a day. And do you know what that's called for them, that population? It's called that? a perseveration. They perseverate on one thing yeah. and they're, they're fixated on it. And they, yeah. be, they almost become... Um, pseudo geniuses in a sense. They're they're oh. sur- they're savants. Hey, so they, it's and it could I, be anything. I did a video a week ago with with Aaron. He comes in. We talk about music and play stuff. We can sit there and I can play licks and he can speak to me with a guitar and he knows that <sighs> language, dude. And he's fourteen. It's beautiful. And I li- I get so tickled. It makes me it makes me really happy because I'm playing. Mm. I'm going ba 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 ba. And he'll throw the same. I'll be like, 
dude. And that comes from years and years of learning all these things. And he's just got a great thing for it. So I, I will tell you a story. The first time I got him to play um, with a guitar player, I had one of my students show up. He's going to play. I mean, he's going to play. Um, Aaron was going to play guitar. I sat on the drums and I had another student sing. And he, he's very, you know, he's sitting there and he's very tight. And he's got his little guitar and, and uh, we start playing Highway to Hell. So I'm busted and I'm going, he goes to place the part and you can see him. Dun, 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 dun. And I come with drums. God, dun, and you can see it. And you can see it. And when my student started singing and it sounded a lot like ACDC, this light bulb went off in his face and he was like, and his foot started tapping. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, man, he was in. Yes. And I'm telling you, his parents, his mom will say that day, it was magic, dude. Because at that point, it was in. He was, he, he could. It becomes it, their oh language. Oh my gosh, dude, it is so amazing. But, but I had, I've been lucky. I've had yeah. um, stories with all the kids I have with it. That's I really it's interesting. Yeah. My dad gets on me. He's like, you say beautiful a lot in the podcast. So I'm like, yeah, because that, that is beautiful. Because that's beautiful, beautiful, dad. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story. So. It is. No, that's good. That's the stuff, man. People want to hear that, man. It was great. That's yeah. like, and Blueprint kind of came from that. And uh, I love it. The, you know, uh, it's funny. I'm I'm a guitar player. That's that's what I went to school for. That's what I do. But I teach drums. I teach bass. Yeah. I teach a little bit of everything. And I've learned that that's part of the key of having so many students is being very multi-instrumental. Um, yeah, you have yeah. to, you, you can't, if you're just like, all I do is guitar. You're not going to have that. You're going to have a basic load of stuff, but I think you got, if you can do a little bit of everything and most people can, man, what, I, what was your words of encouragement to prep them to get ready for performance? Like, what do you wear and how, yeah. you know, cause every kid's different. And you, sure, and we're, sure. in a, we're in a society well, where we all want to be individualized. It's funny know? to watch when we first, the first show they ever did was at a campground and it was very, we did, I didn't put a lot on them. I was like, we just wanted to be them to play and be comfortable. And it was really fun. It turned out really good. And then the next one, they dressed a little more. I said, okay, this is a bigger show. We've got a contest, all these people. And the big thing what they did, it was a contest. It was a battle of the bands at Mangoes. It was last summer. And I told them, don't go in thinking you're going to win because it was like eight to ten bands, some really amazing bands too. And I said, go have fun. Yeah. And they mm. did. And they had fun. And that was the deciding factor. The judges were like, these kids were having so much fun. They wanted them to win. Yeah. It's not that they were really the best band because they'd only played two shows ever. They were competent musicians. They could sing, they could play and all this stuff. But it was, man, we had a blast watching them. They remembered being kids and learning to play. Yeah. And, and it and it's and it did. And so they that's how they went onto it. And it went really fast for them. They started getting a lot of con you know, they they play, um, they've got, you know, they're doing a show on Friday and a show I on Saturday. I saw them a few week. weeks ago at Old uh, Old Salem Brewery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. outside. They're, yeah, they're just. I mean, it's like I said, man. A lot, of, and it's so funny. I have a lot of my friends that are musicians who are like, I can't imagine being thirteen and playing around like that. It's hard to. Yeah. I didn't do that. I didn't start playing really till in groups until I was like seventeen, where I was really doing some shows. These kids are doing it. I mean, they were twelve to fourteen when we put this together, and now yeah. they're thirteen, fifteen, but. It's funny to watch. They're even watching their old videos and going, oh, my gosh, I watched myself. And now they see it and go, yeah, man, you had a year yeah. of doing this. And guess what? Playing live is always going to be the best thing you will ever get for being in a band. Yeah. Sitting at home in your basement, you can get technique, you can do good. But being out there, watching people, and, and having fun, man, you have, to, you have to do that. So that's a, that's a big thing that I push with them. 
No, that's a good lesson. That's mm-hmm. a good lesson for mm-hmm. any any band. Any band down yeah. here. There's some grown-ups that need to follow that. It's yeah. really easy to get lost in um, the judgy side of stuff. Yep. And even doing, not just judging other musicians, but yourself. Mm-hmm. And music's a language. It's how we communicate. It's yeah. how we, uh, you know, it's how we celebrate. It's how we do a lot of things. Celebrate. It, it, it's literally the bedrock of a lot of the stuff that <laughs> we is. do. So, no, it is, yeah. man. It is, and that's that's something I, I think is what's amazing with kids these days. Because that's I can't imagine being a kid now. It's hard for me to look at it because I think about social media and all these things and all the stuff that takes away yeah. time from that. That yeah. the fact that kids now are starting to come around. You got these young bands like Greta Van Fleet. That's kind of to these young kids. They've never heard it. They don't get that it sounds exactly like exactly band, I mean, like, like Led Zeppelin. Zeppelin. But yeah. guess what? To them, it's fresh, and it's like, and it, and then guess what happens? They go back and listen to Zeppelin and go, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah. And they just they just know it brought them to that. So yeah. to me, I love it, man. I think it's I think it's fantastic. So it's one of the cool things about getting a little older, seeing the same circles, and by circle I mean trajectories, like you know, kids falling in love with music, and then getting interested in what music came before them and absolutely yeah it's just and and the styles that were cool that dipped off that came back just a a new rendition of a certain style these circles are fun well even the kids bring music to you that you go i've never heard this before and then you listen to it and you're like this is awesome man this has got stuff from you know 30 40 years ago and it's being integrated into newer music Um, yeah you know like i had some kid brought a song one time panic at the disco and i was like didn't really know a lot of their stuff but when I heard it, I was like, this sounds like an old big band song, but it's mixed with like with like dubstep. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, that's awesome. It's got that basic chord progression that you know from that. And I'm telling them, I'm like, dude, you want to go listen to some of this? And they go back and go, oh, I love this music, man. It's some really cool stuff. So, yeah, I love that. It's no, beautiful. It it's is beautiful. beautiful. It's vast. <laughs> Dad's going to love The world of music is vast. <laughs> vast. Beautiful. <laughs> All right, moving on, moving on. So uh, let's get a little, little, um, little more deep here. So you you mentioned uh, kind of pre-show and just by chatting with you on Facebook, yeah, that you, personal, that, yeah, more personal, not deep. Mm. Um, that you had some, you've had some health issues. What? So if you are, if you're comfortable <laughs> telling our listeners how music has played a healing role, oh, if any, with Ooh. your current state of health. Um. I'll tell you, man, over the years and stuff, I, I started in my late uh, 30s, started having some heart issues, man, um, different things going on. And <clears throat> I ended up having some stents and different things. And, you know, I'd go play. It was really interesting because I would go out on the road. Like when I went out with the Frontiers, the Journey thing, I never had any problems. I'd had an issue before that, was out a year and a half, two years, really touring and had no health problems. And I was really glad because I look at it and go, everything kind of fell into a place of like it would happen. And then, you know, you, you try to do it. But, um, the, the, you know, the health issues always kind of had a play in what was going on with that of like, okay, I got to take it down a notch. Uh, I got to do this. I, and I'll tell you, and then, you know, you're probably going to ask about this stuff too, but uh, because even my, my, my bio and you're talking about Jesus and things like that. I, in 2009, I was um, playing a show, thousands of people, Kennesaw, Georgia, uh, we're playing Don't Stop Believing," which was, you know, the, the biggest journey song of all time. There were so many people at this place, I, I couldn't even see how much. It was a mile of people. They actually had to drive us up to the stage because we couldn't get to it. it they, they had estimated a certain amount of thousands of people, and it was like 10 times that showed up. It was crazy. 
but it was cool. And I'm playing, and I'm telling you, I had a thought in my head, and I was playing a song, and right in the thought in my head was like, this is what I've spent my entire life to get to. And I'm on stage, and I'm playing, and I was like, this is amazing, man. This is it. I'm doing what I went to school for, what I've done for. And I'm sitting there, and everything slowed down, and I'm watching people slow down. And it's weird to talk about because when I think about it and I'm going, what is going on? Slow down. And I had a voice in my head said, this is not what you're supposed to do. And I was like, what? Do you, what? what? What is that? And, and you know, you can, whatever it is, so you can, people have different points on that stuff. But it changed my, my whole path because at that point then I was like, uh, what am I supposed to do? And I wasn't totally sure. And I'm telling you, I went through a whole lot of time of figuring out because it was like, Tons of you know bad relationships, and I know that they weren't part of it. But gosh, they they throw you off to the side sometimes. And but it got me back on track, and I got and I ended up going to um, I go into a church, Journey Church here in Roanoke. They were meeting at at the movie theater at Valley, Valley View Grand, yeah. and uh, this guy knew invited me, and I was like, cool. And I went, and I loved it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've i this is something I really wanted. Did it? Got baptized in the uh, the parking lot. Uh, there and it, it changed my life. And I will say this: a lot of people are like, "Oh man, it's great! This is great! This is where everything tech took off." Yeah, no, no, oh, man, I was still still working on my. You know, you have it's all these things. Started. It is, man. You're just it's just that start. You're like, "Oh, you got yeah. baptized. I'm good, man. Everything's great." And there's a lot of hard stuff came after that. But I met a lot of my band, which would be Uptown. They were playing on stage at the church, and I was like, "These musicians are amazing." The girl singer, Melody Irby, she was the music uh, minister, and she was playing. And I was like, this girl's amazing, man. So my, I started talking to all the different ones. They had a group they were working on, and some guitar player couldn't make a show. And I, I, won't, I had a, another musician who flaked on something and caused a band to fall apart instantaneously. Just uh, I'm not going to talk about who it is. But... <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it allowed me to go jam with these people and I realized I was like oh my gosh this is amazing but what happens is I came into it and they already had a band and it was like hey Kenny came in and all of a sudden I looked at it and was like this band's too big and we're going to start cutting people and I kind of took over the head position yeah. and I started even friends of mine I started chopping I was like this is I'm seeing it and I saw it come together and I was like okay I had a core Four people, and they all went to church there, and they were amazing. This guy, Mark Pennington, keyboards, spectacular. I, and I didn't know these guys except from this. And then Melody's husband played like 10 instruments and played. He was a bluegrass guy, but the dude could play anything. And I would be like, he'd be pedal steel, fiddle. And I'd be like, this guy's great. But we, I wanted to do, the keyboard player started showing me these things like, hey, man, uh, I really love this funk and dance stuff. And he started playing me some stuff, and I went, and I started playing these funk chops. He's like, Dude, guitar players around here don't know how to play funk. They're rock, and it's like core ports. And I was going, tick -a -tick -a -tick, and I was playing this stuff, and I was like, dude, I love that stuff. I'd never really been in a full time like thing like that. So uh, we started doing up Yeah, you know I'm talking about that Jeremy Price poppy guitar. Oh, I love it. Spanky guitar. Spanky. I love it. Anyway, that's just that's universal music musician jargon for funk. Yeah, it sounds like we got corn in here. Hey, everybody. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of turned into this thing. I was like, man, I'm going to, I want to do this. So we kind of, it was really funny cause we named the band Uptown after Prince cause we loved, every one of us loved Prince. Mm -hmm. So we did this and we had a little group with that. We started with it. And, uh, but, and then as soon as we started playing, 
uh, Bruno Mars and I can't even think of the guy who actually write this, wrote the song, but they put out Uptown Funk. Ronson. Yeah, Mark Ronson. Mark Ronson. Mark, yes, yes, yes. What's his name? Ronson? Mark Ronson. Ronson. If he wrote that one in its entirety, I don't know. He, yeah. He, probably. But that song was put out as Mark Ronson featuring Bruno, Bruno Mars. Mars. Mm-hmm. But that song made Bruno Mars his career. Because yeah. he went, oh, people like this. Next next album comes out. It's like The Time, Prince, 1983. Yeah. They just took that sound. And that's exactly what we were doing. So it, just like, it was just perfect timing. Nice. Uh, you pop into it. And that's, what that, that's where that happened with that. And that's, I love that, that you met cool. everybody from church because that yeah. was kind of House of Schmidt. Half of us... I mean, five of us were from yeah. the same church. No, that's what I, I do. Is there's so many great musicians around this area that are just you know, church people, mm-hmm. and then there's Jeremy yep. Price. But, oh. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. If that's a musical slam hey, man. or a church no, slam. <laughs> I I love you in all forms. Everything, hey, man. man. You're beautiful, brother. I love that's you too, saying, brother. Man. For sure. We, we got this stuff, but no, I just, I, no. That's like I said, man. It's like. Uh, We've played a lot on a lot of things, man. I, gosh, I, I can't. I think about how many times we've jammed. You've come to my house and played at the my mom's I basement. Mean, I was in and out of those bands, and, dude. And there were so many and then friends from Botetourt, and then God. friends of friends. And you actually hooked us up with Wit Sellers, yes, I know. in Seven Ninety Robot Head. Yep. And Wit was playing with these guys, Keith Theory out of Harrisonburg, and he now he's with Old Dominion now, mm-hmm. um, which is which is crazy because they're playing you know they're 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 crushing it they're they're huge man top of the world but i i I gotta drop this real quick because people will find it if you go look at matt ramsey's first two albums where he's playing acoustic i'm listed as his management and it's got my number i think i have that album i i I had people find it and they're like is this you and i'm like it is but i tell people the story is matt didn't really have anybody to know and i had a pretty good connection around here he was like can i just put your name on the thing i went yeah so people call me and i'd send it to him and he'd go with it and that's you know I'm, yeah. I'm still waiting for my <clears throat> rewards, <laughs> Matt Ramsey. <laughs> I love it. No, I, I love remember guys, when he, he made that. So we played a, I played in a band called Outrage, and he played in a band called Pork Rinds, oh. and we played a lot of shows. He, I saw Pork Matt, Rinds. Matt played man. bass, yeah. and he was smacked the hell out of it from time to time. And we I think about laugh. those yeah, Pork Rinds, dude. That's what's no. funny is people talk about that. I'm like, I was at a Pork Rinds show in Buckhannon, Virginia. I remember. Come back up. I was living in uh, Myrtle Beach. Come back, and they were playing. They were teenagers, man. Yeah. Went and saw them. Yeah. Like, it, was all, it was cool, man. It's, I, I love it. I To me, man, I don't. I love seeing people, different levels of stuff like that. I just think mm-hmm. it's really funny because Whit Sellers was such an amazing drummer. He did some live stuff with us that I wish had been caught on on video. Mm-hmm. The dude just was amazing. But I, I, I get tickled when I see those guys on like uh, shows, and it's like, history of country. And then it's talking to them, and they're like, "Well, what what are some of your um, what are some of your influences?" And he has to give these country answers because they won't accept him going Meshuggah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's what I heard him play, man. He could kill that stuff all oh, time. Oh, you're <sighs> talking about Whip? I'm talking about Whip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whip. Um, and I haven't talked to him in a long time. I haven't either. We man. went to a lot of drum conventions yeah. together. Him and his dad actually yeah. helped because my dad would never really. Look to go to Florida for a drunk, nor nor could we, right? But right. He, but which uh, which pop did that? Oh, you oh, you amazing. spoke about him on the yeah, podcast. Man, we before. we went down there, and Wit and I learned so much stuff from so many people. And then he was um, a cool kid, man. Yeah, I, I think you just I don't I'm pure speculation, and I'll only say this because I don't like to talk about people. Yeah. Here. I don't know if they've. The the uh, that's not what happened before this podcast started. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I don't because you can't use the word fame, at least not in his particular chair. Right. But but the but the, uh, the light, the limelight, and the glamour and the glitz is something that he's not interested in. Has never been, Mm-mm. and it's tr- it seems to be um, 
in a very it's he's not fake. It's authentic as it can be. No, he's no, no, he's um, a great guy. Man. And uh, I love it. yeah, I haven't talked to him in a, in a while, but um, I'm glad he's doing what he's doing. As long as he's enjoying himself. Yeah. But hey, when it comes to answering questions, he's like, no, I don't really want any yeah. of this. And you know what? Without doing that, that's what they he's They actually kind of do that because you see those guys are always up front doing the things and he's always kind of off the back. And and even their videos and all the stuff, he's just kind of chill. I think that's awesome, man. Yeah. If that's what your vibe is, boom. That's great, man. I mean, it's, not, it's a good, not everybody's Jeremy Price. It can be. <laughs> <laughs> There's a price to pay. I don't know if um. <laughs> Yeah, I just know that that's sincere. Yeah, that's no, a sincere that's, part yeah, that's of cool. I, I agree, man. It's a cool place to be, too, because you could be like, no, I don't want you to know. I just want to make my money, yeah. have my fun, be with the fam. No, man, I Good still I still look back at that time when he was playing with us, and and, and really, um, we needed somebody as good as Jeremy, and, and Jeremy brought him to us, and I was like, I'm always thankful for that, man, because – that guy, he was, he was, he was something. We had some yep. good times. I yep. think I have him on a recording somewhere. You do have him on a recording. There's I'm not a sure which one. I thought, I was thought some great yeah. music. Great oh, music. you know what? He did the intros that snare lick on Two to Tango, Seventeen Right. He mm-hmm. had this cool little, great, almost like a drumline chop snare thing. It was mm-hmm. awesome. Dropped it in there. Then every drummer after that was like, dude, why did you let that guy record the lick? Because <laughs> it was hard, man. It was so good. Too. I know that he he plays very, very uh, well. Very, he's a simple player these mm-hmm. days, and I know I know what he actually has in in the, oh, no, in the trunk. Yeah, absolutely. That's it was awesome. it was cool growing up with him and watching him take the turn because we we didn't him and we were great friends, yeah. marching the same drum line, but didn't really have the same musical taste, mm-hmm. but could. You know, chat about it sure. and not really yeah. have hard mm-hmm. opinions one way or the other. And yeah. how I went one direction drumming and he went the other. And we, it was really yeah, you fun. went one direction in sync, Backstreet Boys, and he went like on a <laughs> oh, you weren't talking. Oh, you oh, sorry, I'm I'm confused there. Sorry, it's it was good. a good time. I yeah. missed that dude. Yeah, I do too, man. That's good. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Well, I have another question, but yep. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna skip it because I feel like you've already answered it. Because uh, Kenny will the, talk too long. No, you haven't talked long, no. uh, too long at all. We've, we've still got time, but I, I, if Jeremy's okay with it, let's go ahead and uh, hit him with the uh, Buddy Gauntlet. Oh, what? That's awesome. Man. Yeah, I don't know. I, I want to hear the rest of that tune. Yeah, I do too, man. Well, so we ask everybody on the podcast, so if you haven't listened to one, you don't know this is coming. I, okay. You do. And if they're not hard questions, yeah. sure. But I I like to watch people struggle with these things. Bring it. Uh, but just because you got, you got like, I got to pick three oh. instead of ten. So the top three musical influences. Top. Three. Your top three musical influences. Woo. Only three. Only three. Yeah, I like to watch this struggle. People be like, Oh my god, what is it? Okay. Um, you know, a lot of them came later for me. Like I, you know, everybody. Of course, you can't be. You can't be a guitar player and not be influenced by Van Halen, I Eddie Van it. Halen. That's yeah. that that guy. You know, it's still man. I, I I still find stuff every time I'm teaching a kid something. I'm like, God, this is brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant, man. Just his chord forms, all his ideas. No one people be like, oh, he didn't start tapping. I don't care, man. If he didn't start tapping, he everything else. The, he brought it out so other guys could bring mm-hmm. into it. So Eddie's got to be. He I mean he's one. Yeah. Uh, for me, probably the next one would be Nuno Betancourt from Extreme. I knew that. Uh, and I'll tell you why. When I was at when I lived in Boston, uh, Extreme was just starting to take off, and I got to see them probably live more than any other band because this was their hometown. And I got to see a band. Now here's the thing: I never got to see Queen. 
And I always hate that because I, mm. I love Queen. Queen's a huge influence to me. But I got to see Extreme, and they would do Queen songs, and they were as good as Queen because yeah. they were singing four-part harmonies and killing And then Nuno Betancourt was, like, laying out this stuff, but the dude had crazy chops. And back then, you know, they had T-shirts that talked about them being funky metal, and people would be like, what is that? Because you, you had the Chili Peppers were starting to come out, and it was just, like, legit yeah. P-funk type stuff. And then people would get mad at you. Oh, dude, Extreme's not funk. Dude. Nuno was dropping chops to sound like horn lines. Mm-hmm. He dropped funk stuff into it. I watched him. Every time I saw him, I, I saw something new. And I got to see some of the biggest songs they ever did debuted. And it's really funny. At the time period there, it was really cool because they were just starting to take off. Um, you know, I was at this, the show where they de- debuted more than words, man. That was crazy. Oh, and wow. you're sitting there, and you're hearing it, and you're like, I think we just heard something Pretty, mm-hmm. you know, you're like it's like the Everly Brothers, and they're up there playing these rock stuff, and I was like, I'm a, they're doing this stuff. And you're like, okay, man, I get it, but it it was spectacular, yeah. and uh, I saw I saw them do some stuff. Nuno Betancourt, I love his uh, I love his percussive take on it. Oh my his gosh, dude. It, the, his right hand more than his left, and that's not saying his left hand. No, 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 no dude. He'll, thing. I watched him do a five minute solo that had almost no pitch to it. It was all. He was doing like drum drum rudiments on the guitar, and it was brilliant. You were like, incredible, incredible. And mm. then he'd throw his stuff into it. But yes, Nuno Betancourt. Stuff. Okay, last one. Ooh, that's tough, man. This is going to be a tough one for me. Number three, uh, I'm going with John Sykes. John Sykes. Uh, a lot of people don't know who he is, but he was responsible for the 1987 White Snake album. He was the guy that played the guitar on that. Uh, when you saw the when they had the videos and it had Vivian Campbell and uh, Adrian Vandenberg, mm-hmm. that was not who was playing those songs. All that stuff that was so amazing that to me they changed the sound. He was doing stuff I'd never heard before. The clarity of his stuff, his vibrato was so wide. It was like wow, it was like the notes mm-hmm. were going up and down. I was like, this is incredible. But I watched him do things, and I'll tell you why John Sykes became it. I loved when he was in White Snake, and it was cool they did the stuff. And you know, White Snake kind of went on and kind of went on things, threw him out. But I understood, and I'll say this, I was excited to see uh, Coverdale was supposed to be here and it canceled the White Snake show. And he's got some great players now. But Sykes left and started a band called Blue Murder. And it was him and Tony Franklin on fretless bass and Carmine Apice on drums. Mm. I'm going to tell you, man, this album, when I heard it, I was like, oh my gosh. And then I realized, hey, David Coverdale, I know why you got rid of... uh, John Sykes, because he could sing as good as you. <laughs> and then they were like a trio. So, you know, to me, I love, you know, there's so many bands I love. King's X, I love King's X, man. King's X. But I saw, you know, Blue Murder play a show with a couple of these bands, even King's X one time. And it was so good because the band, at that time, that band was so good. But John Sykes playing was, he could be very emotive with his playing and shred at levels that nobody could hang with. And then he sang like a god. And it was just like, I was like, dude, this guy's amazing. And uh, I love him. So, yeah, that's my guy. Good. Good answer. And, and Prince. So that, uh, <laughs> I stuck it. it in there. He's, he's the happened. first guy. No he one's ever done it. it. He did. Good for you, CDC. <laughs> Good yeah, for y'all, you. See, I snuck it in there. We did our, our drummer's roundtable mm-hmm. um, last week. And we asked similar questions. It was um, formatted differently. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like, you got to pick one of your favorite drummers, man. We everybody, everybody was like throwing in four and five yep, drummers. Yep, I'm like, yep. you can't do you can't that. Do That's that. the it's whole hard. point. You got to pick one. It's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with my three. All right, cool. I'll have to check out John Sykes. I mean, I, I've heard of Blue Murder and seen yep. him play a song or two on YouTube. If you if you go listen to it, go listen to the track Blue Murder. Carmine Apiece plays 
a Purdy Shuffle kind of um, riff mm-hmm. that he's doing, like the whole the Picaro. Yeah, yeah. he's and it's his own. But dude, when you hear it, you're gonna go, oh, it's so good. It's yeah, so there's good, his brother Vinny can play as well. Oh, that's there, awesome. and, uh, there's a crew of those old rock Mike Tirano. Oh. Um, there's there's a few of these old rock drummers who aren't trying they're not on any new trends of drumming but mm-hmm. they're kind of re- restamping that original rock yeah. trend it's a different ball game it is you put china's up here on purpose to, oh, to yeah, get out of the, yeah you add the visual element but it hey look i will say this from a drummer's perspective i have kids now you know what they are really getting going back and hearing and loving ginger baker cream yeah. trio stuff like that um Got yeah. guys who had jazz backgrounds that were coming at the forefront of rock and metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you go back and listen to the Black Sabbath, War Pigs, dude. It's all these. You just you hear it. And you're like, that's way more advanced than a lot of those straight rock drummers were mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. It's cool to hear, man. So. Yeah. Um, I studied out of Carmen's book when I was a young chap. Yeah. Realistic Rock 2. And I still have it. Uh, dude, he uh, he actually just played on a friend of mine's uh, uh, album. just came out. I was excited because I was like, oh, I got to hear it. It was just nice, simple stuff, but it was great. Just hearing it, he just feels got that, good. You're just like, he ain't got to show nothing. You yeah. already know, hey yeah. man, he can he can outplay most of us, and he can just keep it simple. And yeah. I, I love that, man. I think that's great. Yeah. All right, your top non musical influence. Top non musical influences. Oh my gosh. Uno, one. Just one. Just one. Oh, you get one. Only one. Oh man. And it doesn't. You don't. It doesn't have to be. Like just anything. Oh no! In in life, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna tell you, man. We're changing. Jesus Christ. All right. It changed my life, and people think that's crazy, man. I talk to you all the time, but I will say this, man. My my life completely changed, and I know that I would not be where I'm at with things without it. It's yeah. it's made me in a place where I can have things like uh, my health and all these things can be falling down, and I'm and I don't I'm not depressed. Mm-hmm. Because I know where I stand with things. I remember a friend of mine when I had, I had open, because uh, I said, there's part of this too, I probably haven't even said this, but I've had two heart attacks on stage, live on shows. And the second one, uh, the first one um, ended up, I ended up having triple bypass surgery. So I was at 49, cut you open. I'll tell you a little story like this real quick. Um, the doctor that came in was going to do my surgery. I'm in the hospital. I was not in good shape at that point. He comes in. He's very kind of nonchalant. And his name's Dr. Mark Joseph. I, I owe this guy everything. He comes in. He's talking to me. He's kind of chill. I'm like, and they always said he's not his personality. Don't go by that, man. He's really he's the one of the best heart surgeons ever. And I was like, okay, okay, great, great. We didn't really talk much. My mom's going down the hallway looking, and she sees a caricature drawing of all these doctors, and she sees his. And there's his face and that big head type thing, and he's playing a Fender Stratocaster. And my mom goes, what? She takes a picture of it, brings it to me. So when next time he comes in, I was like, hey, Doc, you play guitar? He went, yeah, how do you know that? I was like, I saw a picture with stuff. He goes, oh. He goes, are you a guitar player? We start bonding, man. We start talking guitar talk. And then I hear him, he goes, he literally, before he goes into surgery, <laughs> we talk about this. He says, I'm going to tell you a funny story. I actually went to music school first. And I went, what? How do you go from music? How do you go from music school to heart surgeon? Insert. Uh, it's like this. Anesthesia. You know what, this is what he said. He got. He said, I wasn't a very good musician. <laughs> and I was like, Well, I'm glad you I'm found glad. what it was. Yeah. But you know, I'll tell you something else, man. And I didn't know until we got in there. I'm in. I'm in. They're they're reeling me in. They're gonna they're gonna cut me open, man. I'm I'm, I'm laying on the table, and he goes, Hey, um, Kenny Kenny's a believer, 
And he made everybody in that thing all, they took hands and they prayed over me before they put me under. And I was like, I felt, I was a complete peace. I, I actually knew, I was like, and some friends of mine said, dude, you weren't worried. And I said, you know what? If I died that day and that was what it was supposed to be, that's, that was my time, man. It was good. And I had a great life. I couldn't complain, man. But I did say so because at that time I was like, God, just let me hang a little bit because I just had a, a granddaughter. And I was like, I really want to see it. You know, you make those promises. Yeah. But that's just, you know, but but it's really interesting that that to me is a big, a big change for me. Mm. That's where I'm at now. So I love hey, that's, that. Yeah, that's good it. That's my, that's my, that's my Jesus story. Love it. I love yeah. it. It's good stuff. Beautiful. Vast. <laughs> I'm going to start using ca- these My code dad's words. My going to be so mad at me. <laughs> I love it. Love you, Dad. I need to know, one time where you changed your mind, you have a complete 180, an opinion that you held so close, maybe even identified with it to a certain degree, but just changed your mind, saw the other side, mm. and it can be related to anything. Oh, man. Um... I think that before I had kids, uh, I was very, I think I was a little more selfish of what I wanted to do with my life. And I was really lucky that I got to do that. But I remembered, man, the, the day my daughter was born, and she, well, there's a video of this stuff, man. I bawled like a baby, dude. I'm telling you, there's a point of when that your kid comes out and you see it and you're like, you realize there's this whole thing of, man, I'm a parent. Mm-hmm. This kid is totally dependent on me. And it changed. It changed my life completely. Cause that point, I went from being like, "Oh, I want to. I'm. I'm very. I, you're selfish. Like, I want to be a rock star and all stuff." And I got. It's really funny because I got to still go do those things later, but that still changed my life completely, mm-hmm. completely. And uh, I still wasn't totally. You know, hey, I tried to be a great parent, but there is no book that tells you these things, and you do all the things, and all the things you were like, "I'm going to do different than my own dad and parents," and then you do the same <laughs> the thing. Same and you're like, stuff. "Why did I do this?" And, you know, it's just life lessons. You tell your kids, you're just like, you know what, that you do the best. Do what, yeah. do what you can. That's now. I mean, my daughter's 23. I got a, I got a three year old granddaughter. My son's 19. The same thing. I tell my time, like, do what you love, man. Figure out what's going on with it. Do you know? Be, be happy. What's going on with it? So that's, that's where I go. Love it. A lot of people answer. Uh, their answer revolves around. Uh, dude, I remember. I remember yeah. before pre Jeremy Price, JP, no baby. And then the difference, man. We, you would talk to me about stuff. I remember being up at your house because I was teaching at your house yeah. for a while. And we would talk about kids' stuff. And I'd always be like, I'm like, I can't wait till Jeremy has a baby. <laughs> I can't wait. And you know what? I was right, man. When you It changed you, and yeah. you see it in your life. Yeah, yeah. I see it. When you do videos with your daughter, dude, it's... Yeah, it's good. It's beautiful. Percent. We just had it's a rehearsal. It's beautiful. It's other, vast. The other... It's vast. <laughs> it's bold. It's bold. Um, we did a rehearsal. Um, a drum thing mm-hmm. this weekend. Yeah. And um, Ella would not leave. She comes down, <laughs> boy, she got sleigh bells on quarter notes. Dude. I'm so happy. But she's like, do it again, Dad. <laughs> and we're playing, like, ching, ching. That's we're awesome. playing some real syncopated stuff that Bomb Pop wrote. And really? I, and I'm like, go write quarter notes. Quarter, and, and I tell her once, and she's like, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to tell all my friends. My daughter's got tempo. I don't that's really good. do that, though. That's I, tr- good. I try no. to stay off dad mode, but sometimes no, that's you cool. are stricken with the love bug. And you're like, look at my child. I know. No. I, know. I, will, I, will, I will say this. With my kids growing up, they had access to every music instrument you could think of. They saw all the stuff, and neither one of them really pursued it. And I was fine with that because my feeling was always like this, man. I, part of my love of music did not come because my parents played or anybody really played. It was I 
found something I loved and I went for it. And I wanted my kids to do the same thing. And they went through some musical stuff, but it never became their big thing. And my son's like a he draws amazing so artist. good. Dude, yeah, his, yeah. his art, you know, I I didn't get to see him some summers because he was at twelve years old. He had a scholarship to a university every summer. Oh wow! And I'd tell him, I'd say, dude, I know I, I we're missing out on some time. But you you have an opportunity that a lot of kids are never going to have, and so now you know at nineteen he's already commission drawing commission work, getting stuff. Authors asking him to do books and all kinds of stuff. And nice. I'm like, dude, you're, you're going to great. Yeah, and that's, that's amazing. Awesome. And he's found something he loves, man. And good for him. It's great, mm-hmm. absolutely. Good for him. It's beautiful. It is beautiful, man. Kenny, it was good seeing you. Kenny, yeah. thank you so Thanks much for, for coming. coming. Absolutely. Yeah. We're gonna eat some food, right? We are. We're gonna. We're gonna oh, I didn't. Ex- I, I remember you said something about that. I yeah. thought that was gonna be pre to it. Oh Dude, man! This if is you're good. listening, I feed these guys. Mm. I know. Uh, I was excited. Guys. I told. I told somebody on podcast. I was telling them they were on a podcast last night. A friend of mine was on Coast to Coast with George Norrie. Mm. Middle of the night, they had a book and they were doing stuff. And I was like, I'm on a podcast. They're gonna feed me tomorrow. She's like, What? <laughs> like they're gonna feed me chicken fajitas. <laughs> that's, that's She's all like, God, we don't get nothing, man. We don't get anything. I was like, No, yeah. it's. This is good stuff. Right that's here. Travis Schmidt, ladies and gentlemen. That's yeah. Travis Schmidt for that's you. Good stuff, man. That Travis hospitality. Rocks, man. No, thank you guys. So, Kenny, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I, I hope that I get to uh, hang out, play, and and do a lot more things with you. Someday. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Can I make a plug for the Rock with Kenny? Please yeah, do, man. and then please plug this song we're gonna play. Got to check uh, Kenny's oh, okay. podcast yeah. Yeah. out. So, so check out. I got a podcast, but honestly, I um I wasn't sure that's what it was. I I, I just felt God put me in places and kept opening doors for me that um. It just was like I met people and they did artwork for me and it was like I kept this thing going the rock and they're like why is the rock well everybody knows me as a rock guitar player had the long hair played rock but but the rock's really Jesus man it's God's my foundation and I but I knew people would come to it so my podcast is kind of weird man I, I talk to the theologians and top dudes I I'm taking classes all the time and you know I have a couple of two year studies and theological things and they're they're like. Why do you do all this stuff? I'm like, I love it. But what's really funny is, is that I'm ca- connecting with a lot of these people who are uh, top theologians, anthropologists, all this stuff in the world, but they're all musicians at heart. Mm. Uh, I've noticed that because I've watched, I've listened to you on a different podcast, yep, yep. and I've noticed that. And it was really funny because once I made that connection, like one of them saw me playing, and he was like, dude. Man, you're playing Nuno Betancourt stuff, and he was a big Nuno. And then we got his name's Dr. Judd Burton, and I'm gonna shout out to him. He 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 got really sick this last year. It was has been uh, in a hospital for many months, mm. and he's in rehab, getting things fixed out. He had a really bad infection, guys. But this guy is amazing. But we got to be friends, man. I I, I took a class with him, and then he 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 was like, dude, I love the stuff, and we got talking about music. And then all of a sudden, I realized when we really talked, like got some time to talk. We were the same person. I was like, dude, at 17, me and him were the same person. Mm. Guitar players, da-da-da. Mine was, I went to music school. He went to, like, anthropology, archaeology. Was over in Egypt doing oh, all those things. Cool. And it's cool because it comes back around. And now we have this really great connection because I love what he does. He loves what I do. We're actually putting a band together. He's a bass player, and he's got this cool voice. I'm like, dude, we're going to record some stuff with it. So yeah, that's yeah. I don't know what the market is for that, but there's some interesting stuff. Uh, as long as you're having, I don't care. Like I said, man, let's write some crazy yeah. stuff. So yeah, it's crazy, good stuff. But yeah, the the Rock with Kenny C. You can find us on uh, Facebook. There's groups. Just look for the Rock with Kenny C. Um, I'm also on Spotify, on Anchor. Uh, I have a website, uh, therockwithkennyc.com. It's being worked on right now. That just kind of came into play. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, uh, all the great things. I'm connected to Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff too, but gosh, I can't keep up with all. It's that. hard to keep up. Yeah. I'm like, man, I, I st- Facebook's my thing because I'm old, and most of the 
grandparents, they make my money, man. That's, they come, yeah, they, they, man. that's the ones who hey. pay for the kids, man. So why you stay on Facebook, man? Because that's where the old people are, man. Got, they, they like their grandkids, man. They want them to learn music. That's so. how we run businesses I, and things. That's right. I do that's it, how man. we do that's it. Good. You want to talk about this song that we're about to play? Uh, yeah, yeah, man. I've got stuff from over the years, man. I've got stuff with alchemy and all these things. But I really uh, wanted to play this one today because um, about, I don't know, probably 2015. Uh, th- I'll tell you a little story how this, this song came about. Excuse me. A, um, a, a, a guy I met, he's a movie director. <laughs> he was making a film, and it was really cool, and I got to be a fan of his music, of his movies, kind of B horror kind of stuff. And I, I love all that kind of stuff and all that. So he, he was like, called me up and said, Hey man, I got this scene in this movie. It's going to be a fight scene. I want an eighties and I just want you to just let it out. Just go for it. And so I got together my, with my buddy, Scott Joshua and uh, Tim Wilson and Mike Feemster. And we all got together and we had a little group called uh, long story short at that time. We were playing outside of the uptown, but we literally got together and we were in a living room and a microphone on a on a light on a lamp and a laptop and wrote it, recorded it, and did it all within about five hours. Did the whole thing, sent it to the guy, and uh, the movie ended up getting recut and it hasn't actually been. I've seen the movie and it was awesome, and uh, I can't I can't say a lot of kids can't see it because it's 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 got some stuff in. It. But it had a it had a great it had a great fight scene and I was like man so we wrote this song and I, I'm just gonna tell you I, I put it on here because no one's really got to hear it never got released but it is it is um, everything you're hearing is basically me one take and it is I'm proud of it because it's just insanity I am literally overplaying. <laughs> So much. I can't wait. On purpose. It's just, but you know what? It was really fun. And I look at it and go, you know what? I'd like people to hear this song. So yeah, this is called uh, uh, Edge of the World. World. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Beats, Brews, and Buddies. Hope you to see you next time and uh, we'll see you later. Yeah. Where the rainbow ends. Where the rainbow ends.
Of the end of the world. <laughs>